Welcome to Kibi on Liberty. Sarah, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Um, I was. I think we met almost a year ago. Well, less than a year ago because yep. it was at Freedom Fest yep. in Vegas, right? Yeah. And me and Terry were on the panel together. Yeah. Yep. And I was. I was being kind of an a hole by. To my wife. My wife and I have this ongoing debate about feminism. Yep. And it, in some ways, it's just a play on the words because she she insists that she's not a feminist because she finds the whole concept to be patronizing to women yeah and i insist that i'm a radical feminist and my hero is ayn rand and and um i mean exactly what she means yeah but it's it's the 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 nomenclature and and you know maybe we'll get into that today because i think i think so much of what we argue about is is words and 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 imputed meaning instead of what people are actually trying to say yeah exactly and, and actually trying to hear waves of yeah. feminism and everything like that and, it's just and like, what does it actually mean and poor ovens o'brien was the only self-described feminist on the panel yeah <laughs> that, was, that was and she was the moderator so it's like you're trying to moderate to yeah. a bunch of people that aren't feminist and define feminism in certain different ways you know yeah <laughs> And you are in Washington D.C. for a an anti-war protest. Yeah, so the Libertarian Party is doing the what is it? The Rage Against the War Machine this weekend, and so I'm here, and um, yeah, I'm speaking. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great event because, like, I mean, you have like people like Ron Paul is gonna be there. He's actually coming to D.C. to do this event, which I don't think he's doing a lot of in-person. Of, Inter- or in, in, in-person events anymore no. and then you have Tulsi Gabbard who's speaking like right after him and so you have like this wide collection of people I mean when you get like the Libertarian Party and then the People's Party which is you know the Communist Party and it's like they're working together to stop war I think that's what people can learn a lot about working together on single issue advocacy yeah I mean I, I feel strongly that way and you're you're not you're you do you call yourself a libertarian yeah, well, yeah, I I say I'm a libertarian in terms of practical matter, but I am a minarchist, so I do believe that the government has one single role, and that's to provide a national defense force to protect our borders, but not go overseas and fight other people's wars. Yeah, yeah, but even that, like, all these words, like, what do you mean by that? But, <laughs> yeah. but so much of, and particularly over the last three years, I've decided that there is an emerging anti-authoritarian coalition. Yeah that comes from all over the place. Yeah. So I think I think if you're if you're not willing to talk to someone because you adamantly disagree with them. I mean Tulsi just a couple of years ago was a Bernie bro. Yep. And you know I could be apoplectic about that. How could she support <laughs> yeah. Bernie Sanders because yeah. we disagree on so much? Yep. Um, or you could say wow, she's saying a lot of really interesting things that that I agree with and, and yep. we should explore that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of libertarians get hung up on her her stance on like gun control and stuff like that. But it's like when she's saying stuff that you agree with, why don't you talk to her and, yeah. and do these things? And I actually learned that type of concept from Spike Cohen, if you remember Spike Cohen a few years ago was working with BLM on criminal justice reform. Like people that have nothing in common, they were able to agree to disagree on stuff and then, you know, fight for the stuff that they do agree on. And so that's what I've always looked at that and been like, we should be working more towards that. Even in my activism, like in the, on the trans issues and stuff like that, it's like, I can work with anybody on these issues, but I can disagree with you on those other issues. Yeah. Like you said, I think it's really interesting because like the neocons are on their way out. I think that like the warmongers in Congress are they're on their way out. Like Dan Crenshaw gets hate all the time, as he should, because he is one of these people that thinks we have to have this, you know, big global foreign power, and we have to have a presence everywhere in the world in order to keep us safe. And I just think that's a big lie. It's yeah. it's all for money. It's all for the military-industrial complex. I uh, you're optimistic about that, and I'm I'm going <laughs> to latch onto your optimism because yeah. it 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 also seems. I mean, more in the in the the Republican Party, starting with the Ron Paul movement and the Tea Party, and now even a lot of elements of America First. Yeah. And, I, and I definitely don't agree with all yep. of that, um, but a lot of those elements are are pushing the Republican Party to be more skeptical of never-ending war. Yeah. But the, the Democrats, on the other hand, um, have mostly abandoned that. Um, there's exceptions, but... Yep. 
there, even the exceptions are not particularly consistent anymore. I, and years yeah. ago, three years ago, I saw Bernie Sanders at an AUMF um, hearing that Rand Paul had organized. Mm-hmm. And, and Bernie was awesome. Like, I was yeah. ready to become a Bernie bro. I, sh- <laughs> I should admit this. Like, damn right. um, but on, um, the, they're inconsistent. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what that is interesting. I think that's what we've always seen for, from, from both parties is that they, it's like they're anti war when the other party's in power. Like, when George Bush was in power, they, well, they all voted for the Iraq war, but then they were all against it when they were running for office. And it was the same type of thing. It was always, oh, we're going to get out of the wars. We're going to get out of the wars. And then when they get into office, they're starting new wars. And yeah. that's one of the things that Trump did. I think a lot of people like that Trump did. He didn't start any new wars. He was the first president in how long that didn't start any new wars. And I think that drew a lot of people to that. And that's what kind of started to make these changes to be like, okay, well, we're going to be anti, anti war party now. And, actually stick by it yeah this was the um strategically philosophically was the was the achilles heel of the tea party's attempt to balance the budget mm-hmm. uh, this kind of a quaint idea that we would balance yeah. the budget anymore but um you you had elected so many people that that absolutely were for limited government and mm-hmm. um with the exception of fully funding the war on terror yep and that yeah. that is a black hole as big as any financial black hole could be. So they en- ended up not being able to actually do what they thought they wanted to do. Yeah, and that's kind of my my that goes into my story is like I was a Tea Party conservative. Like I was just graduating college. Like in two, I graduated college in two thousand nine. So it was around that time that the Tea Party was really getting going. I loved Ron Paul's message, but I couldn't get behind his foreign policy. And that was the biggest thing. And so I served, I, and then I was, you know, I was a big patriot. So I graduated college again in 2009, no jobs available. And so I went to be a logistics officer in the Army. About five years in, you know, they were teaching me in my captain's career course to see war from big picture, for, you know, policy and see, like, strategically how you invade countries and stuff. And that's when I looked at a map and realized that the reason why we got we went into Iraq for the first in the first place was not for, you know, it wasn't for oil. It wasn't for weapons of mass destruction. It was so we could have a double flank, a strategic position on Iran. And I was like, well, this is, and then you start to see like ISIS grow because of our destabilization there. And that was my Ron Paul was right moment. We're just, you know, destabilizing this region. So that's the reason why we're creating all these radicals against us. And that's when I, two years later, I got out of the army. And that's when I'm now speaking at anti-war rallies because Again, we should just be protecting our own borders with our military. We shouldn't be, you know, and then taking the money that we, you know, they steal from us every day to go fund, you know, proxy wars around the world either. Yeah, that was, um, um, I was happy to see it. It was kind of a revelation to discover that that so much of Ron Paul's support actually came from veterans. Um, yeah. Even though, um, you know, at a, at a face value you might say that's that doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me you should you should go with a candidate that's saber rabble rattling yeah and, and you know america f yeah but um once you're there you discover that a lot of those promises were empty yeah well and that's and and you also going back to like what you were talking about the tea party movement and they're you know wanting to end the debt and everything like that I was so disenfranchised from the Republican Party as well from that because it was like we got all these people elected that that was their main mission was to lower the debt and then you see them passing massive spending bills and doing nothing about it you're like what is going on and so that's when it just disenfranchises you from the entire government you're like they're no different than the other side they're just wanting to spend on their pet projects yeah and I should say like the the um, most of the Republicans that betrayed the the Tea Party goal to actually rein in the size of government um, were um, the leftovers from mm-hmm. um, yeah. like Mitch McConnell. Yeah, that's the name that was coming he's, to my he's head. He's still too. here, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and he was he was enemy number one, but also um, I guess Paul Ryan was speaker at the time that the the fiscal responsibility yeah. stuff unraveled, and and they want to fund all the wars. So yeah. what do you do as the minority within your when your own party? It's, it's difficult. At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle 24-7, something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today, just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and check out our exciting merch. 
you too can love liberty and look cool. Yeah, and that's what happens a lot too, is a lot of people don't see like what goes on behind the scenes because there's a lot of people that support different bills and all this stuff. But one, if you can't get 60 votes in the Senate, they won't even bring it to the floor, which I think that's flawed. I think you bring it to the floor and show who the, you know, who is against these types of bills. I think you should, you know, bring every bill to the floor for a vote. Um, same thing as it's, and then, um, and then, so they won't bring those bills to the floor. And then if they don't like the bills, they just cancel them. So really you have like whoever's leading the House and Senate, you have them basically controlling what bills go forward and so that it's like all the stuff that they want to go forward but it's not really what the people want to go forward so the the, the system's a little bit antiquated in that yeah. way yeah it's fascinating that um and and then i want to get to your story but mm-hmm. um the the fight over the speakership in the house has against all odds actually created some some really positive dynamics mm-hmm. you you have thomas massey on the rules committee yep. which which in in his configuration might be the equivalent of, of in being in Mordor, um, but he is able to bring various um, bills to the floor in the House, and the House is very much designed so that individual members have no yeah. say, and the Senate is supposed to be the place where any member can can speak up, but but mm-hmm. but the two party, um, it's McConnell and. Who is it? it? Who's actually? Yeah, who's the? Is it, um, it's not Schumer. Schumer. It's Schumer. Is it Schumer? Yeah, it's Schumer. Um, but they're kind of the same guy. That's why you can't <laughs> yeah. tell them apart. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But I, I want to get to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I didn't. I don't. I don't know that much about your story. I heard what you what you talk about at Freedom Fest. And yeah. I, and I listened to you on Tim Pool the other night. Um, you're not the same person you used to be. No, not at all. If you can tell. <laughs> No, so I, uh, yeah, I, I think around the age of four, I had realized something was different about who I was. Um, growing up, I kept this secret that I had gender dysphoria. I didn't know what it was at the time, you know, growing up in the 90s and stuff like that. It wasn't something that was really prevalent. And then, again, I would join the Army um, in about 2014. Um, I came out to the first person I ever came out to, which was my ex-wife at the time, and first person I ever trusted to come out. And then we separated at the end of 2015. In 20, I started to explore more and then go into that. And I, um, in 2017, I ended up getting out of the army and then moving to Atlanta. And that's really where I was able to live part-time as a woman. And so I then, you know, trying to figure out if this was what was right for me, um, ended up talking to a therapist and everything like that. Then. And came out to the rest of my family in July of 2018. Very accepting family, you know, very open. Still didn't know what it was at that time, but then I ended up starting taking hormones in March of 2019. Knew that this was exactly what I wanted to do, that it was going to be what's right for me. And really, it's just the way that I've been able to, you know, live such a comfortable life. But then now, in about 2018 as well, I started seeing the trend that we're seeing now where that's, it was starting to be pushed, like queer theory is being pushed on children. And I was kicked out of two Reddit groups for saying that trans trenders exist and when the detransition rate skyrockets, um, it's going to hurt actual trans people. And we're seeing that starting to happen now. Like those people, the, the detransitioners who were fooled into transitioning and taking, you know, medicalizing, they're finally, they're speaking up. And so... Um, and they're taking a lot of hate for doing that. And so now lately, it's like, that's been the biggest push that I've been working on is going out, speaking with like all these mom organizations around the country to like, just spread awareness. And then um, also starting to push bills and, you know, working with some organizations um, to get some of these good bills that you're seeing pop up across the country and stuff like that. So, as well. so talk, what, what's a good bill? Banning puberty blockers for children because they're not safe. But I think um, one of the biggest bills that I've actually worked with some people on is not even really a bill to ban anything or do any of that. It's really to fund studies because right now there's not a lot of studies. They're just going off of feelings. And it's like, so, um, I mean, the FDA doesn't even, uh, puberty blockers are issued on um, off-label for children like in puberty age. All the studies are shown for precocious puberty, which is like from five, six, seven years old going into puberty, and you wouldn't want a child to go into puberty that young. And so they get them to like one of these key developmental ages and then take them off and they will go through puberty like normal. But now they're finding that for the off-label use, if you push somebody through, uh, put, a, put somebody on 
off-label, then you end up... Um, there's all these different complications. Like, there's brain developmental issues. There's bone density issues that they're finding. Um, there's even, like, Marcy Bowers, who is the president of WPATH, which is the World Professionals Association of Transgender Health. They give all the guidance for how to treat trans people. The president of that organization said that if you actually block a child with every... She's a surgeon, so if you actually block the child before they go into puberty... And then they go on to cross-sex hormones, and then they have, you know, bottom surgery. They will never be able to orgasm as an adult. So my cons- my thing is, is, like, how can you even consent to something that you don't even know what it means? And so you're taking away this stuff from children when they don't even know what it means. And honestly, we have age of consent laws for a reason. Children don't have the cognitive ability to, you know, understand the full ramifications of their chosen, you know, their decisions. So this perspective, I'm, I'm thinking about the Venn diagram. <laughs> Of, of veteran trans libertarian yeah. who's who's anti-woke yeah. um, I don't even know what to call it but sort of anti-woke trans ideology yeah. yep. like that the political it seems all politicized now and oh, yeah and you can't um, you can't deal with people as individuals and and you have to join team A or team B and you guys have acronyms for all of this stuff. There's what what is it what is a turf now? Oh, so the trans exclusionary radical feminist. Yeah. Um and I've actually heard it's funny, I've heard somebody else say call it like, yeah, I'm a turf. I'm a trans um what is it? A trans exclu or trans embracing radical feminist you know so to like turn it around on them you have the acronym what it actually means but then you can kind of turn it around but yeah uh, the turfs and some people are reclaiming it the actual like the third wave feminists that have been fighting this for a long time they're reclaiming the word they're calling themselves turfs now because they're like yes i am i'm proud to be you know a turf and it's and it's really interesting because they don't like people like me they don't they think by me simply existing and and I am pushing the ideology simply by existing as a trans person out here. And it's it's kind of, a, it's, it's, it's really an interesting dynamic because then they also don't like, you know, some of the other, you know, conservative commentators, like the men out here, because again, they're radical, they're third wave feminists. So they're not really wanting men to now take the credit for what they've been doing for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, and and you've weighed in on the whole J.K. Rowling thing. Oh, yeah. Which, I bought the, I bought the video game. <laughs> I bought the video game simply to support J.K. Rowling because yeah. that's the thing. is, I mean, she is a feminist, but she's not actually even that, that radical when you look at, like, all the stuff that she's saying. She literally wrote her whole thing, and it was like, everything is like, I have trans friends. I love trans people. I'm just concerned about these aspects of what we're seeing, especially when it's coming to children. And But they will... You know, condemn her. They'll tell you you can't even buy a video game because it has her name on it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like, and they'll say that that's harming trans people by playing a video game, and it's just a ridiculous notion. But it's all for control, you know. And that's how the woke, the left, you know, the super left operate. They want to control you. They want to control your speech. They want to control everything. What's really ironic about the J.K. Rowling stuff is, um, you know a lot of these leftists push like these anti-free speech laws like these hate speech laws and stuff like that well somebody commented something on jk rowling's and she decided to use their anti-libel laws to silence that person it was kind of hilarious and i'm like i don't agree with silencing people i i, I agree with free speech but it's funny you don't like it when yeah. it's used against you but you guys asked for it <laughs> yeah I, I i saw that and uh, the the person she did that to, at least one of them, was, I mean, as the woke left does, throwing around the word Nazi or fascist. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, yeah. They called her a Nazi and that was like, that's libel. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the thing that frustrates me is that it's become so politicized. And you already said this, but I, I, think, I think it's very important to point out that I think it actually sets people like you back yeah. because it's now forcing everybody to take a side. Mm-hmm. And you know it's sort of it's sort of like the anti-fascists, like when they when they want you to pick a side. What they're really saying is, if you're not a Marxist, yeah, you're a, you're a Nazi. Yep. Um, and there's there's no like uh, not middle ground, but there's no individual empathy for what a specific person is yeah. is dealing with. And it, it becomes a war. Yeah. Well, and these are the same Marxists that are pushing this stuff. You see a lot of the Antifa members are like the green-haired, like, 
non-binary people, but it's all based in the queer theory. And queer theory is, just like all critical theories, is based in postmodern neo-Marxism. And so I always contend that like the Q aspect is trying to, it will eventually try to erase the LGB in the original T, which was for transsexuals who would actually transition, because they don't believe in sexuality, because they don't believe in absolute truth. So it's like when you when you believe in those things, they are trying to they will literally erase it. So they have the communities are very separate in that regard. And I think that for the most part, a lot most trans people that are out there would transition and then they would go stealth and just live their lives as normal. They didn't want to be put in the spotlight, which is one of the which was one of my frustrations. I mean, I get it. But it's like all these people who have just been living their lives, you know, stealth for so long, they're not willing to step out because they're living a nice, comfortable life. So what you're seeing is like, you know, the 8% rule where it's like the most radical 8% is setting the perception of the entire entire group. So which is why I think it's so important for, you know, right leaning or even just centrist, just people that don't agree with the super woke stuff just to be out here and speaking about it. You know, the Gays Against Groomers organization they are apolitical for a reason. Now that most people on there are very right-leaning because we're the ones that are willing to fight back against the extreme left. But we have a lot of people, like even Buck Angel is, he'll tell you he's still a liberal. Like he's not a conservative. He doesn't vote conservative, but he's a liberal and he, but he's still fighting against this woke agenda. There's a lot of people so that you, meant, left you mentioned like him on Tim Pool. I don't know who that is. So Buck Angel is like the first trans man that ever transitioned. Um, well, the most notable he he was kind of the experiment in california where they didn't know what testosterone would do to the female body and so he almost died one time from atrophy um and so like he they they figured it out with him and now what you're seeing is with the youth right now is the results but don't go google him because he's also a porn star and so you might get some images that you don't want to see <laughs> but yes and so now he's out here trying to protect children Thank, which thanks going for to, that advice <laughs> yeah which is which is what's interesting because again it's like now they say oh, you did porn you're trans how can you even try to protect children when you're living this life that doesn't you know that children shouldn't be even involved in it's like yes shouldn't you be the best person to fight against this ideology i mean i've lived it i've lived it i know exactly what they're going through and what's being what's happening so i should i would be one of the best people out here to fight against you know transitioning of children thank you for joining me today on kibbe on liberty and for being part of our fiercely independent audience every week my organization free the people partners with blaze tv to bring you this show my guests bring smart perspectives on everything from current events to timeless philosophical debates if you like what you hear, go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and support Kibbe on Liberty so we can continue to produce these honest conversations with interesting people. Now, let's get back to it. So I have a, uh, Terry and I have a friend, and this is, this is going to be uh, part of our book, and we just did a long conversation with Deirdre McCloskey. I don't, do you know who Deirdre is? Uh, the name. She is a very, she's, she's one of the best classical liberal free market economists mm -hmm. um, alive today. And and um, Deirdre was once Donald. And Donald was a professor of mine at George mm -hmm. Mason University. Um, I, I shouldn't say how many years ago, because it was a long time <laughs> ago. And um, I knew Donald. Mm -hmm. And Terry got to know Deirdre mm -hmm. doing this, this, this road show through Europe called the Free Market Roadshow. Mm -hmm. And it's a great place to really get to know somebody because you're driving all night and you're drinking too much and and you're you end up in a country you've never been in before and you have to be on your game and give a speech yeah um but they were um you know at the time they were talking about deirdre's book crossing mm -hmm. she went through this in the early 1990s when it was insanely difficult to do mm -hmm. um her her sister had her committed twice she lost yeah. her family, you know. It's it's kind of a horror story, yeah. but 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 she so wanted to do that, and and what I don't know if she I think she buys it because because we were having this conversation in preparation for this book the the blowback from you know um, this this radical form of of trans ideology really kind of tramples everything that that she tried to pioneer yeah which was you know let me be me 
yeah and, the live and let live mentality is gone yeah so so she's kind of og as well yeah, that's um but i'll tell you like it um the first time i met deirdre and again this would have been i guess early 2000s it was it was uncomfortable for me because i didn't know what the rules were mm-hmm. and and it was just just different then like yeah and i'm i'm pretty live and let live <laughs> yeah. but i i can see where people um struggle mm-hmm. um and you sort of got to give them a little bit of time and room to yeah. to figure out absolutely you, right yeah absolutely like when this is why i especially when i came out to people people that know have only ever known me like this it's easy but like all the people like my family and everything like that there is a learning curve and my family lives you know 11 hours away from me and so there's a learning curve and they don't see me all the time so it's still a learning curve even what coming up on five years after i've transitioned which is absolutely fine you give people grace and as long as you know they're still treating you with respect and they still love you and they still want you in their life then i think that it should be fine the problem is now with like the radicals is they want to compel your speech they want to control you in the whole like pronoun debate like how many times do you actually use pronouns when the person's actually in the room like they're trying to compel speech when you're not even there i always say like if you want to respect me but you don't want to use she her pronouns for me just use my name that's absolutely fine that's my legal it's, name it's everything that, like that's that. not that hard is it no yeah and when I, when what you say when i'm not in the room is none of my business anyways you know? right right <laughs> The, uh, to, to me, and this, I, I think about sort of um, the libertarian solution to these wildly complex social problems. I think a lot, um, a lot, if not all, of the drive to transition kids is coming from the government school system, yeah. and it's, it seems to be completely captured. And, and I, mm-hmm. I hear horror stories from parents, and I, I read these stories about about how parents aren't even allowed to know what conversations are being had. That's one of the biggest, that's one of the number one things that I have when it comes to like the bills I, I'm looking to pass is a responsibility to report. Um, so if a child comes to you and says that they are having gender dysphoria, you have a responsibility to report. Either that is to report it to the parents that that child is having, you know, that they need to go get mental health coverage. Like that's the parent's responsibility is to get the child mental health care. Or if you really think that that child is a danger, instead of knowingly leaving them in a dangerous situation, you have to contact the authorities. I mean, I think I, I think CPS is an awful organization, but they're there for a reason to protect children. That's like the only thing that we can do right now. So you have to like try to get them out of an actually dangerous situation, which I, I it's a it's a fine line because they will try to use that to if you don't affirm your child, then they'll try to take your children and stuff like that. But what ends up happening, and this is the reason why the bill passed in Florida, the, you know, quote unquote, don't say gay bill. It was brought on because there was a child in South Florida who the school hid their gender transition um, at school because the parents were Catholic. That was the reasoning for hiding this transition for them because they were Catholic. Um, That child attempted suicide twice in two days at school and now they are suing the school because they hid this and again it's their parents responsibility to get them the mental health care that they need and if they don't know that their child's having issues like this then that's when that's that's a huge issue because it it could lead to that yeah so i think that's that's one of the biggest champion bills that i champion across the country too i sort of uh and i i know it's complicated um because you know you could you could also go that Bill Maher had this great um, monologue on this that the that the the trend in California is that every generation um, the the trans population doubles and at some point everybody's going to be trans in California yeah. and his point is that it, this is political ideology yep. this is not biology at all um, I err on the side of parents always and I realize mm-hmm. that parents make bad decisions as well yeah. but the but the idea that the, the system the government institutions mm-hmm. would be promoting anything yeah one way or the other and then hiding it from parents yep. and then destroying kids lives like to me that that just says we, we need to shift the power back yeah. to the parents so that absolutely um, because you know call me crazy but I think um, most parents care more about their kids than some <laughs> yeah, I would think faceless so. gray suited institution <laughs> yeah well and that's so one of the bills i did consult on a 
bill in Louisiana that's, um, I think it was pre-filed, so we should be seeing it possibly come up soon. But it was like their version of the parental choice bill. And when the congresswoman approached me about it, I was like, I told her straight up, the first meeting we had, I said, I would honestly rather see you pass a fund students instead of in, or fund students instead of institutions bill instead of this bill so that way parents can just choose to go wherever they want you know let the free market take control and if you know they're teaching woke in schools and you don't want that then you can go somewhere else um but if you're going to pass this bill i want to make sure you know it's 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 right it's 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 actually not you know homophobic or transphobic or any of this stuff i just want to make sure it's right we had the wording right and so you're not getting attacked like they got attacked in florida for some of the ambiguity ambiguity that was in the florida bill um as well like even like the uh the comprehensive sexual education that goes all the way down to like five years old that's being pushed in schools. I Another bill that I'm very supportive of is making all of that or an opt-in system. So that way parents have to actually sign a permission slip before their children can take like learn this stuff because that is that stuff is a parent's responsibility to teach their kids. It, it really is. I mean, sex ed should be a basic biology class if you really look at it. And then parents teach their kids all the other stuff. Um, and so, but there's some parents that are going to not want to parent their kids. They're going to want to let the schools do it. And so if you're one of those parents, you know what, just opt your student into it. And that's, you know, and then the other parents can take their kids out of school for the day or whatever, maybe take them to a museum and learn something relevant. Yeah. <laughs> if you've made it this far into the show, it means I must be doing something right. Kibbe on Liberty is just one of the amazing products we created for the people. We tell emotionally compelling stories and produce educational videos for the Liberty Curious. Our award-winning documentaries personalize all things Liberty, independence, creativity, hard work, integrity, and perseverance. After the show, check out our work at freethepeople.org. And if you like what you see, donate to support what we do. That's freethepeople.org. Now back to the show. This this is a, another issue. Like uh, I think some libertarians get caught up in the in the rhetoric that as long as it is a top down one size fits all government school where the curriculum is going to be determined by bureaucrats and politicians, um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with weighing in on what that should be. Yeah. Now. <laughs> You and I just agreed that it would be so much better, and and honestly, the only real solution is to let parents make those decisions where their child is educated. But barring that, we're going to have a political food fight, yeah. and and one of the one of the upsides of lockdowns, and there are very few upsides of the government's response to to the pandemic, was parents seeing not just the horrible soulless regimentation. Of, of the government school system and, and how you're, you're just sitting there and, and getting browbeat with information all day. Mm-hmm. But the curriculum itself was was just nuts. Yeah. And, they, they but now parents see it. See yeah. it like, yeah. <laughs> then they had no idea. They just assume um, uh, fairly or not that, that, you know, educators or the experts are going to take care of my kids. Mm-hmm. Well, that the cat's out of the bag now. And that's yep. nobody believes that anymore. So. It's it's an opportunity, I think, to to not only reform the system, but but better yet. Yeah, that and the invention of TikTok, because now, I mean, with all of its flaws, are you are you on TikTok? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I've been banned. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but with all of its flaws and how awful of a app I think it is, because children are going on, are actually going on there and learning all these things. Um, what it's done is also given people like me content teachers going on there and just openly saying what they actually think so yeah. it's, again it's like a free speech thing where hey if you give them the reins to do it they'll usually show you who they are and that's exactly what they've done on tiktok so they're, they're like bragging about what they're teaching our the, the kids so it's yeah, who's <laughs> uh what's uh what's the lady's name lives of tiktok oh who, i don't know how to pronounce was, it yeah uh yeah it's i don't even know how to yeah but that was um it, it was sort of mystifying that she would be banned from from social media for simply posting videos that yeah. presumably people want people to see. Yeah. 
well, yeah, it was like you are showing videos of themselves. You're just showing a mirror. You're showing them a mirror and exactly what they look like. And because people don't agree with that stuff, they're actually going and, you know, getting all these other ne negative comments for it. So they're upset. But it's like, yeah. wait a second, you posted this. It's like, have you seen those new things with like the, uh, the, the females in the gyms? Like, yeah, they, yeah. That they've been posting like these creeps are all stalking. And they're like, you like the one person had an OnlyFans and she was complaining about somebody at the gym. It's like you post this content, you're just upset because they didn't go to your OnlyFans to see it. You know, it's like that type of stuff. It's like you just you want the content because you're a content creator. You're putting this stuff on the internet, and so now you're upset because people are looking at you in real life. It doesn't make any sense in a lot of ways. And I mean, there are creepers in the gym, but half of those time, those people are just like, "Hey, can you like get off my machine?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those guys. Um, so let's 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 go. Let's go to the gym for a minute. Um, you are against trans women competing in women's sports. Absolutely. Why? It, there is, and the studies show this too, there is no amount of estrogen that you can take and, and testosterone blockers or anything that you can do that would ever eliminate the full biological advantages that you have by going through a male puberty. It's, it's been proven time and time again. I mean, even look at, even, uh, even if you're somebody like my size, it's not very big. It's like, I go to the gym and I go to spin class. I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life. I was in the army, everything like that. I go to spin class for the first time ever. Within eight months, my max power rates are within the 80th percentile among females. That just doesn't make sense. Like these people are trained their whole lives. If you train your whole lives in a sport and then you just go and try to transition and say you're a woman, then you're going to be leaps and bounds. And actually Leah Thomas is the prime example of why this doesn't work. The average difference in male and female swimming among, you know, the elites is an 11% drop in performance for females. Leah Thomas's performance only dropped 2.3 percent, and that's how she was able to go from being ranked number almost, like almost in the 500s to number one in the 500 meter. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, that's the prime example. It's like you lost 2.3 percent. That doesn't even get you. Like you were not like elite, and then you're the number one swimmer in the world. It doesn't make sense. Is this what? Uh, um, is this why J.K. Rowling originally weighed in and got? in this quagmire i think she weighed in because she, actually it was she liked a tweet and they went off on it because she was supporting uh my i think her name is maya foster or maya something and she had gotten fired from her job for saying something it's kind of speaking out a little bit and so that's what kind of brought her into the fold and then she made a statement about it and then it just spiraled from there and now she's basically dug her heels in won't apologize to the woke mob which she shouldn't and so yeah. they just hate her do you know who zuby is i love zuby <laughs> do, you, do you support his uh championship deadlift that one day that he identified as a woman <laughs> yeah i I, th I think that was a great move i actually told him so i wrote an article in the post millennial when um u.s rowing u.s rowing has now a self-id sports law so if you identify as a woman prior to the start of the season you can and it's just simply self-id you don't even have to prove like you've been taken to estrogen and so you can just go in there and compete as a woman and i have a friend that's um an olympic rower at the gym and um i was like so you're gonna be rowing for the rest of your life until you die because you can compete in the women's division once you can't compete with men anymore <laughs> we, and we joked about that for a little bit but i, was, I told when that came out i told zuby i was like you should move into rowing now and prove a point. And he yeah. actually commented, he was like, maybe I will. <laughs> well, that's like, and this, this gets, this is why I would call myself a radical feminist because taken to its logical conclusion, really what you would have to do is just eliminate women's sports. We're just going to have sports now yeah, because um, everybody's going to identify however they want for strategic reasons yep. or cynical reasons or, or whatever reasons. And, and to me, that seems anti-woman. You would think. Yeah. But it's also equality. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't agree. But I, I think that we should have separations in female sports. And I actually do think that there's a lot better things we can do. Like most sports, you can have a, a third category, which is what they've recommended, like in the UK and in a lot of other areas. I've started to recommend that you have you know, third spaces. Even the NHL had a few months ago had an all-trans hockey competition. Yeah, I thought that was a great idea. You know, we should, that, we should be supporting that. Um, and so I think that that's the solution. And 
you know, you're saying that markets and cooperation and maybe just a little bit of empathy, we might be able to do this. Without. Exactly. You don't have to, you know, force people's hands by using government to like force it either way. That's people will come up with solutions. That's crazy talk. <laughs> I know. It's, um, we're probably going to get demonetized on this episode for that. Uh, just say trans woman in the description and it will be fine. That's what I do. <laughs> no, seriously, YouTube will, they will, um, all my videos that don't have that will start to get like ad limited just because I guess I'm flagged or something. But as soon as I put trans woman reacts in the, in the title, the, no issues. The robots, <laughs> the, the robots like that, I guess. Yeah. Now Twitter robots don't, I mean, I was, um, locked out of Twitter for a little while because I said, you know, having gender dysphoria is a mental illness, but I don't think we should stigmatize mental illness. They locked me out for a couple of days, but Twitter did end up apologizing, which was something I had never seen before either. <laughs> was that, um, um, post Elon? Yeah, this was uh, literally the day after Christmas. My, my, uh, my account was locked out. This is the first time I've ever been locked out of a social media account like that before. I've ever been in like trouble like that. So I'm like, yeah. what is this? And yeah, but what I have been seeing a lot post Elon is people are getting locked out more than they were pre Elon, but you're not seeing the full out bans. Like you're not seeing anybody get banned. You're just seeing like 12, you know, week long lockouts. We were um, inexplicably, um, we just did a conversation about AI art with a bunch of artists, mm -hmm. um, most of whom were raging against it. And I was, I was half-heartedly trying to defend technological innovation as, you know, we don't know exactly how this is going to turn out, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, that was, um, we, we, at least last time I checked, we were not allowed to boost that show for violent content or something. So I actually think the AI robots were pissed that they were being criticized. Probably. And it's like if you watched our Timcast, we were talking about chat GP and yeah, like yeah. The, uh, the Bing chat. The Bing chat is like apparently learning and it's like thinks it's alive or something like that. It's just really, it's, I mean, Microsoft's built Skynet, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put that into a actual like life-size robot and you have Terminator. <laughs> so what are the other, um, you have uh, your... Your podcast has a cool name, Trans Transform to Freedom. Transform to Freedom. Yeah. Um, what are, What are the issues like? Like, what's what are the issues that matter most to you? I mean, we've talked about a couple of them. Yeah, obviously, um, yeah, the the trans rights issue, like the trans issues, are probably my biggest content because it's probably the biggest thing out there. One thing that most people are talking about. But I, then I talk about I I do anti war content. I do a lot of like libertarian and just like political content. Um, I like to do interviews with people on my show. Um, we'll do those sometimes, and just whoever's interesting to come on and talk and hang out. We'll talk about their stuff. But um, actually, one that I don't think a lot of people realize either is I I've done some events in Georgia for um, legalization of marijuana as well. So drug legalization is is one thing that I think could be really positive. Like I did a video and then I did an article in my Substack about psychedelics mm -hmm. and how. Big Pharma is in bed with the government and while well, we're suppressing like uh, we're, we're suppressing natural medications and yet Big Pharma is making all this money pushing even more dangerous stuff you know like op with opioids and stuff like that so it's like um, and I think that even like SSRIs SSRI use is up so much in the country right now and it seems like and one of the comments is like when you use SSRIs you feel emotionally numb I think that could be one reason why we're seeing so much violence in the country is because people are hopped up on SSRIs and are emotionally numb. Whereas like LSD psychotherapy, you can do three, like the one of the studies I read is like, you can do three sessions of LSD psychotherapy with a, with a trained professional. Three sessions last, the effects last up to a year right now. And so those are the types of things that I think we should be pushing towards. As well as like, if you legalize marijuana, most people don't realize, like, if you're talking climate control, like uh, climate issues, and you're not talking about legalization of marijuana and using hemp plastics instead of oil-based plastics, then you're and you're really not serious about climate change because oil-based plastic or hemp-based plastics is a carbon-neutral solution. The plants themselves create enough oxygen to support the entire production of that plastic. And so that's like one of the big things I think about, like with marijuana, even it, other than the medicinal effects and everything of it. Really thinking a lot about, um, and and I knew this, um, and it's nothing new that that big pharma games the system and 
and um, you know one of the games they play is they they will gobble up medical innovations that might compete with the yeah. one that, that they already have that's a lesser product but it's mm -hmm. got FDA approval so it, it's very centralized and it's designed to to maximally extract revenue so yeah if there are therapeutics that might work better for mitigating the damage of a virus versus a vaccine they're, they're gonna try to stifle crush yeah and remember that happened like they were all like marijuana might you yeah. know uh help mitigate being able to contract covid that was one of the big misinformation things that everybody was talking about it was like I don't know if it was true or not, but there was one study that showed it might be true. So why not study that? You know, and then, but nobody wants to talk about that. They want to push the big pharma drugs. They, they, they don't. They don't support studying anything that's not patentable. Exactly. Well, and this was why you're actually seeing a lot of ketamine treatments starting to come out because it's like one of those other things. It's like, okay, well, we can do ketamine now. It's starting to show them, but now it can be profitable for them because a lot of people want to try it. Yeah, yeah. The um, use the L word, um, liberty. Um, would you consider yourself more conservatarian, libertarian, and, and, and how did you find that stuff? Um, well, I would say I am more, I guess, a conservatarian, though. Um, I do lean very heavily to the right. I'm not, like, strictly in the center. Actually, I'm very far, like, like I said, I'm, like, one step above an ANCAP. So um, I, I just... But it was. It was... Actually, it was Ron Paul, which is going to be awesome to be at the same event as him this weekend, is because, again, I thought he made so much sense i had always been more of a constitutionalist even in the republican party i was like i this document's great and all it all made sense and how it was written and all of that stuff um i just again couldn't get past his foreign policy so i was like hey um and then once that changed i was like this makes complete sense the republican party is basically the same as the democrat party so i'm gonna go check out what these people have to say and just logically thinking i was like this all makes sense to me and so when i found the libertarian party and all that i think the first time well i was gonna say 2016 is the first time i didn't vote it's the first time i didn't vote for one of the establishment candidates um i didn't vote for gary johnson though either so 20 2020 was the first time i didn't re uh regret my vote because <laughs> i did vote for joe jorgensen in 2020 and that's you know started to move in that and then moving to atlanta I started getting involved and meeting the people in the Libertarian Party um, of Georgia, and so that's started even moving to getting involved in that type of stuff, other than just cultural issues. But I think your your point, and this this is important for my Libertarian friends to hear this: building coalitions around something that we can agree on. Mm -hmm. And again, like Ron Paul did this so well with uh, Dennis Kucinich, who I mm -hmm. think is speaking at the rally as well. I might be. I don't be wrong about that, um, but that was that was this old, um, you know, and, and I I sort of hate the the left right spectrum because I don't yeah. I don't I don't think we're really on the right, um, but you had uh, a guy like Ron Paul working with a very progressive Democrat, mm -hmm. and you have a guy like Rand Paul working with Bernie Sanders, yep. and 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 Mike Lee working again yep. with like. Um, uh, the guy from the other senator from Vermont. Well, and um, Thomas Massey recently was working with Cory Booker on uh, expanding the right to try act. Yeah. To any experimental procedure, whether it's um, whether you're terminal or not, you should be allowed to do with your body as you please. And they agreed on that. Let's work on it together. Yeah. So, so drug decriminalization, criminal justice reform, uh, war powers. Yep. There's there's a just a very substantial list of of things that don't require you to be one of us yeah um, you don't have to want to end the fed which yeah. you should but you don't have to yeah want to. <laughs> you, you, we, we can we'll get there later yeah. <laughs> um and even even bernie he wanted to audit the fed and he, yeah. he, he backed off um kind of left us left us high and dry but the the cool thing about and i i, I say this a lot and i've i i, I try to be empathetic and, and try to listen to what if you if you like Bernie I want to understand why yeah. what is it about him that attracts or AOC like what, what is it about her that that you think resonates and you realize that on a, on a very superficial level they kind of sound like Ron Paul yeah well it's really interesting because I've known people who were not super into politics 
but they liked what Bernie was saying. Like it made some of the stuff made sense, but then they also liked Ron Paul. Like they were fans of both. I'm like, how, how, how can you be fans of both? And they yeah. start to see that there are a lot of stuff that they may be close, you know, on, on some issues. Like, okay, I can kind of see that. And then they just seem like, you know, older, lovable guys, I guess, yeah. you know, <laughs> but they're, but they're sort of, yeah. And the, the fact that, that they're, they're old guys just raging against the machine. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's pretty attractive. I do got to pick on Bernie though, because he's, I think he's got a new book, but he's doing a speaking mm-hmm. tour that says it's okay to be angry at capitalism. Tickets are 95 bucks. That's awesome. Well, that's, yeah, that is the ultimate capital. I mean, that's the ultimate grift, right? right. It's like, you are so against capitalism, you're using capitalism. AOC was the same way. She's right. so against capitalism, and she's selling, like, her shirts for, like, $95. And yeah. you're just like, are you against capitalism? <laughs> it's uh, it's a mystery that we won't solve here. No. No, no. So where do people find your pod and, and the other projects you're working on? Because you, yeah. you, got, you got, like, a thousand shingles here. Yeah, I, yeah. I do just about everything. So, um, yeah, actually, if you just go to my website, sarahigdon.com, there's a links page on there. So I actually post just links to all the articles I've written and like the post-millennial human events. It's got links to all my social media, which I'm on like every social media platform there is like, especially like rumble and all that stuff, because if you get banned on one, then you got these other good social media platforms. Right. Um, but then like, yeah, Instagram and Twitter, my handle is Sarah Higdon underscore. Um, and those are probably the best places to go. YouTube is YouTube, youtube.com slash Sarah Higdon. Um, that's where you can find me. Are you going to be at Freedom Fest this year? I am going to be at Freedom Fest um, as of right now, yeah. And uh, hopefully we've got a really good panel um, that I'm working on uh, with uh, the team over there to bring you. We're kind of waiting to see because one of the people may not be able to make it, just depending on what the laws are to get them into the country. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We're waiting on the VAX requirement to drop. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, pass the house. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. Thomas Massey's on yeah. the Rules Committee. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Did, didn't see that coming. But no. It shows you how really stupid things are impossible to fix, even though everybody that's not insane thinks that that's stupid. Yeah. But that exactly. I just described politics in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thanks for doing this. Yes, thanks for having me on. Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.